Life Podcast, and I'm Jason Stanlin. Today I want to discuss an interesting dynamic that has taken place in American parenting. Uh, this is called helicopter parenting, maybe lawnmower parenting. There's different variations of it. But specifically, we're going to talk about helicopter parenting, but we're going to go all the way back to 1946 and start there with a guy named Dr. Benjamin Spock. He wrote the book, The Common Sense Book of Baby and Child Care. This book has been one of the best-selling books in American history and probably one of the most pivotal moments in American history towards child's rearing, okay? So, the basic premise of this book is that children know more about making good decisions than the parents let on. Tentatively, parents are more interested in trusting their own judgment, trusting their own decisions, than trusting their children's decisions. However, Dr. Spock says that you can actually trust your kids to make the right decisions. So it's a much more loose and less focused approach. He instructed parents to allow their child to tell them when they were hungry. Uh, this was in direct contrast to the prevailing idea among uh, psychologists, uh, particularly pediatric psychologists at the time. Pediatric psychologists were much more interested in staying on rigid schedules uh, for different health reasons and different opinions. Some of that proved to be accurate, some of that proved to be inaccurate, but uh, 1946, he changed the world. And when it came to, say, discipline, he instructed parents to have a much more loose or what was referred to as a condoning approach to parenting. Nonetheless, this book sold over a million copies a year for the next decade, just in America. It is still considered, to this date, one of the best-selling books on the New York Times best-selling list. Uh, it has gone through revisions. It has gone through updates. As recent as 2021 was its most recent update. It continually is one of the most influential books in American parenting, not just the book itself, but the influences beyond the book for other pediatric psychologists as well and the books that they have written. So let's look at a little bit of what it refers to. By the mid-50s, there arose a generation called Spock Babies. Again, remember, Dr. Spock is the one who wrote the book. And so that trend by mid-1955, 1956, there arose a generation that had been completely, for the most part, raised according to this, uh, this theoretician's designs. Spock employed psychoanalysis to parenting. First one to ever do this. By doing this, he made Freudian philosophy accessible to the common household through parenting, okay? So the whole of American child rearing is about to change drastically from the mid-40s earlier to post-40s. Now, of course, uh, I was not alive at that time. So my research is entirely objective from outside. I really don't know much other than what I've heard from others. My parents are even born in the late 50s, early 60s. So they would have come out of the generation that would have been known as Spock babies, but it really would have been my grandparents who were World War II vets who would have seen this transition actually happen. And of course, I didn't know about it to ask them, you know, years ago when they passed away. So let's, let's look at this, this question that I'm, I'm trying to figure out. Did Spock change America or was he simply a sign of the times 
in American culture. Meaning, when he came out with his book, did he push America into that direction, to that agenda, or was America already heading that direction, and he just simply was voicing what everybody was feeling, what everybody was thinking? I actually tend to believe that it was on the front side because you don't see the major changes in the other child-rearing books until the mid-50s, a full decade after he had written. So I think he wrote it and then began to change the culture around him. So I think he was actually a change agent, not simply a reactive report to what was happening. Look Magazine uh, by uh, the 1956 said, perhaps no other person has so influenced an entire nation's ideas about babies. His views have brought naturalness, common sense, reassurance, Sigmund Freud, and even joy to parents all over the world. That was 56. Look what happened by 1990, which is only eight years before Dr. Spock's death. Life magazine noted him as one of the top 100 most influential people of the 20th century. So here you are, nearly 50 years later, and now well over 60 years later, and he is still one of the most influential people in American parenting. His work led to an era of parenting being much less strict on children. And if you look at what started in, we'll say 46 is when he wrote, by 56 it was the predominant way of thinking on how to raise your parents. What happened in 66 to 68, end of 60s? Vietnam War, Vietnam War protests, the hippie movement, Woodstock, major trends in parenting and American life changed. I think there's a correlation between the two because right at 15 to 20 years is a new generation. And so I think with the, this design, the less rigid approach of Spock and the Spock babies that came from it led to the new change in American culture. However, now we find that the, parent, the parenting pendulum has swung back. So it went from very rigid to more of a loose approach. Now I see it going back to more of a rigid approach. Uh, in an article I read, uh, the mid-80s to 90s began to see that swing going back and forth. Child abductions increased. Um, different like heinous acts towards children in the 90s with the advent of the internet, child pornography increased. So a lot of things like that began to happen and parents began to be much more fearful. And because of that fear-driven agenda, now they've got more control over their kids and a bit more of a rigid approach. However, what I've noticed is where their rigidity is applied. So that brings us to helicopter parenting. 1969, Dr. Haim Guynot, I'm not really sure how to pronounce his name, coined the term helicopter parent in his book, Parents and Teenagers, and that was 1969. However, it saw little use until Foster Klein and Jim Fay used the term in their book, Parenting with Love and Logic, in 1990. So now you see the trends happening, and you're beginning to see parents going towards that, uh, that helicopter parenting. So exactly what I was saying, the 80s, leading into the 90s. So the term refers to a parent who hovers over their children, and if anything should go wrong, the parent swoops in and solves the problem for the child, hence helicopter parenting. Now, 
parents are much more involved in their children's lives. But the way of their involvement is much different than the 1940s and 50s of the Spock babies. Prior to Spock, parents hovered over their children morally, ethically, and even spiritually, but they did not hover over their kids when it came to their academic success or careers or anything like that near as much as they do now. So something that we've seen is that America pre-1940s was a much more agrarian culture. The 40s with World War II and the massive war machine and all the industries that popped up as a result of World War II pushed America to be more industrious and more households switched from agrarian or blue collar to now predominantly even white collar in certain whole communities which will have a predominantly strong leaning towards white collar jobs. There really wasn't much of that pre-1940s. So pre-40s, in agrarian American culture, many parents could not watch over their kids every single moment because their kids had chores. They had chores. They would wake up early. This kid had that chore. This kid had that chore. And they all went about caring about the different needs of the farm. Furthermore, kids would go to school for a shorter amount of time. Then they would come home in the afternoon and they would spend extended time with their parents. So father and son would spend much more time out in the field working. Mother and daughter may have been in the kitchen or around the house uh, or even in the immediate yard, not necessarily the fields, but tending to chickens, goats, things that were much more closer to the home. Now father commutes to a cube farm, maybe an hour away, in a city only to spend a few moments each evening with his kid much less involvement from the parent to the kid. The parents who hover over their children now seem to be much more interested in the successes of their child from a career standpoint, a financial standpoint, things like that, and less interested in their morality. So let me give you a couple of examples of things that I have seen as a student pastor of 10 plus years. Formerly, if a child had a bully at school, the parent would tell the child to go talk to that bully directly, stand up for themselves. That was step one. If that problem persisted, then the, child would then the child would tell the parent, parent would then maybe go talk to the parents of that bully, and then the two parents could kind of straighten things out. If that problem persisted, then the parent would maybe go to the principal and begin to have conversations at the school or wherever the, wherever the bullying was happening. Not anymore. Now parents just go around the family, around the bully, around the parents, straight to the principal, into a system that is anti-bullying and is built around an agenda. To me, that's a form of helicopter parenting because you don't allow the kid to take responsibility. You don't allow the kid to face his adversary. That's maybe a strong word, but when he's dealing with any sort of issue, the child needs to learn how to solve the problem. Instead, the parent goes right around to a principal. The principal and the parent solve it for the child child never solves the problem themselves. Another thing that happens, formerly, a parent would load up a kid's car with their few valuables, hug them, cry a little bit, realize that their baby's moving out, and watch them drive off to college. Now, there are visit days where the parent goes with the kid to the college, looks at the dorm, helps the kid find the dorm, helps the kid find the parking spot, helps the kid find all the places that he or she needs to be helps them with their schedule, helps them with guidance counseling, helps them with all these different steps 
colleges actually now have courses for parents who are doing these things. So it's not just the parents who are doing this, but it's the colleges who are enabling the parents to do these things. So you have that change as well. Formerly, a parent would be much more interested in the integrity of their son than their son's GPA. Formerly, the parent would be much more strict on the morality than anything else. Now, I'm not advocating that parents become neglectful of such things as academic success and things like that. That's not what I'm saying. I'm just saying we may have swung too far on one side and not enough on the other. Let me give you another example. It used to be parents would come home, find their kid smoking, find their kid drinking, and they would immediately get the kid in trouble. The kid would you know, not do well. Even if the parents you know, smoke and drink, they would uh, come down on the kid much harder because they said, you're not old enough to do this. You're not mature enough to handle this. Now, what do parents do? Parents provide opportunities for their kid to do that. So see, that's where, again, it's a control. So you've got the helicopter side control of making sure they're safe, making sure they're not going to make bad decisions or anything like that. But at the same time, on the moral eth ethical side, enabling the child to do the very same thing. So see, there's, there's a disconnect that has happened because of the trends that came out of the 40s into the 50s, 60s, when it came to morality. But now parents are trying to be more controlling because the consequences of not being so strict on the morality. So, the parent's job is not to raise a child. The parent's job is to raise an adult. Let me give you an observation that I've had, and I'll kind of finish out with this thought for the podcast. I have a perspective as a youth pastor that sometimes parents don't get. Um, and it's because you see incremental slow changes and you're just trying to survive through the next day. As a youth pastor, I'm an objective third party and I watch things from a distance. So many parents do not have a tight grip on the morals of their toddlers. Think about this. Are you overly concerned about who your, your kids' friends are when they're three? Are you overly concerned with what they're watching on TV or YouTube? No, actually you go straight into the uh, restaurant or the grocery store and the first thing you give them is the phone because you're just trying to shop and you're trying to function and so you give them something. And so now we've created parenting controls and limits on the phone so that we can give the kid the phone even more accessible without having to monitor what's actually on it because the phone does it for us. So we give very little control to the kid or let me rephrase that, the kid has lots of control. We're taking very little to control the kid when they're a toddler. However, what happens as they grow older? When they reach the tween or the preteen stage, we realize that their capacity for destruction and harm, whether it's for themselves or others, has increased. And so where we did not have tighter uh, controls as a child, now we're going to increase those controls once they reach this age. So think through this. They had freedom, you took their freedom. They had less of a desire for freedom when they were younger than they do now as the tweens. And so you're taking the one thing that they want the most. They want independence. They are trying to individuate themselves from their parents. That's part of the teenage process even. So what do they do? They naturally rebel. Why? Because you had, 
you have no control, you took the control, and they want the control back. That accentuates even further once they get into the high school and upper teenage years and even into college. Why? Because, again, as parents, we're trying to guide, we're trying to direct, we're trying to provide all of these barriers and buffers and guardrails. However, we didn't keep a tight rein on their morality. Now, I'm not saying that if you keep a tight rein on their morality that everything is going to solve itself. There were certain trends with abstinence programs and things like that in the 90s and 2000s that show us that did not work. Instead, you have to have a spiritual guidance because, again, you're wanting to raise adults. So you spiritually guide your kids with control, with rules, with a strong relationship, knowing that you know best, more than a 13-year-old should know, and you're guiding them until their upper teenage years. And then slowly, because you've given them a good foundation, you can let go slowly, not all at once, measured, independent for each child, because not every child's gonna be ready for everything at the same time. Everything is still customized. You're actually still in control as the parent, and now you're giving freedom to a teenager who craves it, and they can see you as trusting rather than taking, te taking authority, taking control from that teenager. What you then get to do is hover at the younger ages and allow them more freedom as they get older. Now the morality, the spirituality, all those things should still be very strong. I still advocate for parents talking to your teenager about, hey, you're going to church. There wasn't a, hey, I'd like for you to go to church. There wasn't a thought about it. Hey, I would like for you to you know, be active in church or, hey, I want you to join in the family devotion. No, you have, you have to be a part of that because you're part of the family. However, the control aspect of their general life and the decisions they make are going to flow out of that. So use the spiritual hovering, if you will, the helicopter work, as laying foundation so that one day they learn to do that themselves. Because again, we're not raising children, we're raising adults. So what we don't want is a bunch of Spock babies, spiritual Spock babies. Also, what we don't want is a bunch of kids who don't know how to solve anything because parents solve everything for them. Instead, we want a kid who has been prepared, who has been um, intentionally sought after and given responsibility as the time lends itself so that at the fullness of time when they are grown, they're ready to become an adult, integrate into society, and make wise choices. Thank you for listening to the Parent Life Podcast today. If you have any questions about me or my ministry, you can go to jasonstanland.com. If you have any questions about Fruit Cove Baptist and her ministries, you can go to fruitcove.com. All the links will be in the description and in the bio if you want to check us out. Uh, we're a ministry of Fruit Cove Baptist Church here in Jacksonville, Florida. If you'd like to email me or talk with me about any of my episodes or topics or future topics, you can email me at parentlife, all one word, at fruitcove.com. May you be filled with the knowledge of his will and all spiritual wisdom and understanding. Colossians 1.9. See you next week.